I feel a little bit like we're living on like the first scene of a dystopian novel. <laughs> I felt like that for several years now. <laughs> like we're, we're the, I feel like, like I'm a couple chapters deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the From Quarantine podcast, a weekly dose of dry humor from two Americans living in the heart of Europe. Hosted by January Newbanks and Tassie Gibson. Hello, hello. Hi. How are you this evening, Tassie? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. good. Hanging in there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like it's kind of been a long week. It has. And our why, elevator but... is broken right now. Oh, and you have wait, five floors to get up? Yes. That's not fun. Yeah, five floors. Yeah. And there, it's like a windy staircase, so there's like no breaks. It's just like it is a very windy staircase. It's just staircase into it's nowhere. A little vertigo staircase. It is. You kind of get a little dizzy going up and down. Mm-hmm. It looks super cool from the top floor, like looking down through the staircase. Like it's very. Get to a photo there. I feel like it's 1930s. I you know, know. lapper yeah. dress. Yeah, and there's, like, all sorts of, like, really cool paintings in the building and stuff. Like, they've really, um, they have fake flowers on each of the landing, like, little in window, inset windows. Oh. So, they've done a good job on, like, the interior of the building. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just forever. <laughs> Any work when they're going to fix it? Well, since it broke on, I think it was Thursday evening. I think it was just bad timing. So Oh yeah. We've got the weekend. And um Andy sent a note to our landlord. Um and our check is not so good and his English is not so good. So Andy communicated in check and he was like, Oh my god, he's gonna think I'm nuts when he gets this email because trying to explain it. I was like, just you know, nefungue. <laughs> Vita Nefungue. Elevator doesn't work. (laughs) Good day. (laughs) Nice. So that's when our weekend. Andy's gone up and down the stairs like 9,000 times. He's working on his fitness. (laughs) So we are mere days, days away from our government's plan to open the gates of commerce again in this country. Yes. How with, are you feeling? With lots and lots of butts attached to Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I read the um, the press conference by, uh, oh man, who was it that just did? The one who closed the borders. What's yeah, his? I don't know. I'm lost in all the names i know there's so many people now i'm like i have never understood czech politics and like now it's just been a real crash course on (laughs) who's in charge of what and it feels like it changes all the time yeah um who's in charge of what so that's the general feeling overall it feels like it changes all the time yeah it does It it can change quickly around here but i read his um his sentiments about closing the borders oh and, yeah i read that as well yeah and how he never thought after you know 1989 
that he would have to do that again or that anybody would have to do that again, close the borders. And it made me think about, you know, like that that's meaningful to people who live in this nation. So, oh, it's very meaningful. They're having yeah. court <laughs> lawsuits yeah. over it right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, did not make most humans in this country happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, thinking about it from like an American perspective, I mean, like we've had dozens of politicians trying to close our borders <laughs> to people. <laughs> so, you know, the problems there have been like, the borders are too open. <laughs> and we do have countries that we're not allowed to go to as Americans, yeah. which doesn't exist for a lot of other people. They're like, yeah. really? You're legally not allowed to go there? And I'm like, no. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. Not that I want to go to Israel anytime soon, but, um, but I was thinking about it because we went to Tunisia I was like, I wonder yes. if I'd have trouble getting into yes, Israel. Yes, you would. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I think that now things have, like, suddenly become much more, like, global in the way that we're, like, understanding the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, opening up means commerce business opening up our borders with a lot of caveats by the way um Mm -hmm. and people from the u.s are not allowed to come here and we will face quarantine if we do go back to the u.s so it's interesting it's an interesting feeling um being across the ocean from your family and not really I mean, you can, but there are some some unfortunate consequences that come along with uh, going home. How does that make you feel? Um, <laughs> not great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's still one of those things that's kind of hard to process. I've kind of put it on the back burner for that yeah. reason. Because um, there's really no big, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no there's no answer to it, so it's not really something that I can grapple with mm-hmm. because, um, yeah, because there's there's like it's, it's I, we don't know I we don't know when we will be yeah. able to go there and come back, and mm-hmm. that won't be yeah a, a major discussion on both sides. I do know we don't know actually that's kind of what the podcast is about. We're coming to that. Um, like we don't we don't know what it'll look like like will it take me six weeks to make a two-week trip to ohio quite possibly Mm -hmm. so i don't know we'll see what we wanted to talk about today is the what if yes um so you and i have been yeah have been reading lots of things and i have been getting lots of um, questions from friends around Europe and in the U.S., especially saying, hey, we've read that the Czech Republic is opening things up. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel about that? That is the question. The question that you just asked is, how do you feel about that? And my response is exactly what I just did. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. So, mm. so what we wanted to do today was kind of take those unknowns and what ifs and talk about them between you and I, and kind of drop in things that we've read along yeah. the way. Yeah, I was communicating with a friend recently, and 
I was describing my state of mind and I was like a lot of feelings, not a lot of words. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, <laughs> that's one of the things that I was thinking about when we were talking about this episode is I was like, I have a lot of feelings, but I can't really put my words around them. So, um, so we're going to try, but I think <laughs> you might think, hear a lot of ums in this yeah, episode. <laughs> yeah. There might be a lot of silences that I'm editing out because, <laughs> because a lot of these are like really big, big global topics. And I think as we transition to our season two of this show, um, we want to kind of tackle that. Like, what right. does it mean to be a global citizen? Um, not just a citizen of our tiny little country, because, you know, now that where things are opening up, things are opening up inside the Czech Republic, not so much borders, but pe- but they're like, there's right. a plan for opening up borders. And mm-hmm. we have to think about being citizens of the world responsibilities watchdog responsibilities responsibilities to protect each other um and at the same time like we aren't our situation is not the same as a situation in another country here in europe or in the u.s so it's also hard to when people are asking me how do you feel i'm like well i feel this way in this situation but i am not saying that you will feel that way because your situation is different than what's going on so, yeah. for example, they only had 18 reported cases of coronavirus today. Mm-hmm. Um, 18. Like, that's a drop. There's, yeah. It's nothing. And that was just like 150 um, a couple days ago. So that's like a real, pretty extreme Right, drop. right. Um, so I feel like we're on the way uh, to where New Zealand is. Mm-hmm. Um, but our tactics have been similar and our... I think that our situation is going to be similar. Mm-hmm. Um, however, New Zealand does not have borders <laughs> with yeah. other countries. They have an ocean. Yeah, kind of have a um, and we big do. buffer. <laughs> so so as, as we open inside the Czech Republic, I have a totally different feeling than like, am I going to get on an airplane? Nope. Right now, right now. So, so yeah, we want to talk about those kind of ideas, like global versus we are like, you live a certain way in your own situation, yeah. but you have to think about the impact in other mm-hmm. areas. Yeah. And it's different. I think you, you've been here since you were 22, mm-hmm. 23, 20, which one? 23, 23, 23. And I came here at 37. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a little like, I don't really think like a check a lot of times when um i'm when like for instance it did not freak me out at all that they closed the borders i kind of expected it you know in the u.s it's a ginormous country but it doesn't really feel like i don't know that closing off canada and mexico would be that big of a deal Mm -hmm. um here though there's been a lot of work to have open borders Mm -hmm. um as being like being a part of the EU is a big deal. Being part of the Schengen agreement is a big deal. Um, being part, being like existing in the longest period of peace in this continent mm-hmm. um, is a big deal. And so it's a lot of times it's really hard for me to think about things like a European would 
mm-hmm. because it hasn't been my political climate, my political right. environment for very long. I still think about things like an American. And my brain is totally European. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it goes there. It goes there quite quickly. Yeah. I mean, you moved here right after university. So like your mm-hmm. development as an adult, like on your own really happened here. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little bit different. Yes, I agree. I agree. But that's what makes our podcast so fun. I know. <laughs> it is interesting. I mean, like we're both expats and we're both Americans, but if we come from things at very different angles um, a lot of the time. And so mm-hmm. I think as we like kind of delve into more of like our ideas about globalism, uh, you might hear some of those differences. Dear audience. <laughs> audience. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about some of the unknowns. I think let's tar- let's start with the most personal. Uh-huh. Um, and one of the questions that you and I have talked about um, multiple times, and I've talked about with everyone, yeah. is how will this affect interpersonal communication going forward? How will we interact with each other? How will we demonstrate affection? Uh, how will we demonstrate business practices? Do we shake hands? Do we touch? Do we not? Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of your ideas surrounding interpersonal communication? So I think there might be a pause on the touchiness that we have uh, experienced in recent history. Um, But I was thinking about this because I went to my doctor's office because I had surgery on my scalp. Um, And I ran into my general practitioner and he is a doctor from Israel and is uh, super touchy. Like he's, Uh very like affectionate he'll touch your back he'll like rub your back a little as he's talking to you very like papa bearish not like weird uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's very compassionate in his speech he's very like affectionate um toward uh-huh. his patients and you know in the middle of like everybody being wrapped in plastic uh in this doctor's office he came up behind me and he was like talking to me about like what was i there for and what was going on and wanted to express, you know and when, and when i told him he started to like rub my back and <laughs> i was like it's funny because i think humans are hardwired for physical contact i mean that well, is well we need it if babies don't get it Yeah, their brains die. Yeah. And I I think the bubonic plague didn't stop that. The Mm -hmm. Spanish flu didn't stop that. Cholera didn't stop that. AIDS in the 1980s didn't Mm -hmm. stop that. Ebola didn't stop that. Uh, (laughs) So I feel like there might be a pause in affection. But, you know, like speaking with a friend, you know, he he was expressing that like he ran into one of his uh, friends and he hugged that friend it was just like an overwhelming urge and he hugged him and afterwards he thought about it and he was like well I shouldn't have done that maybe um and and it's hard I think it's just in your brain I don't think it's going anywhere in the long run to be Mm -hmm. honest I feel the same I um so we both laughed uh a couple weeks ago 
uh, maybe not in a funny way, but Dr. Fauci from the the U.S., <laughs> the guy that we've all come to know and love, yes. um, he, he did this interview and he said that he never wanted humans to shake hands again. <laughs> he was like, shaking hands is evil. We need to get rid of it. That's my paraphrase of him. He was much more diplomatic about it. But he was uh-huh. basically like from from a microbiology point of view, shaking hands is not great. Well, um, sure. I mean, there's then, lots of messiness in life. We won't right. get into like the details of that. <laughs> lots of messiness and swapping of bodily fluids that happens that like we all would be a lot cleaner or a lot safer from disease if we didn't do but yeah. there's that human nature thing and the propagation yeah. of the species factor. <laughs> so I was thinking about this because I um, I spent a lot of time in the woods this weekend with different <laughs> friends walking. And one of um, my friends who I was walking with, she was saying that she um, went for a business meeting this week because businesses are starting to open up and do things. And, um, she does like environmental approvals of, um, different companies and checks on sites and whatnot. And when she went in to meet the people, they had the masks on as we should. Um, and they all kind of froze and look at each, looked at each other and were like, should we shake hands? Should we not? (laughs) And in the end they didn't. Um, but she said that it really threw off the business interaction because Mm. I think that they're like in the West, the reason why we shake hands is historically to show that you weren't (laughs) carrying a knife or, you know, (laughs) ready to stab them behind their back or whatever. But I I think that that some, like you said, somewhere psychologically that plays into, um, how we respond, the respect mm-hmm. that we give to someone, the the levity that a situation has, and without it, yeah, I um, I I think it'll come back because without it, we don't we don't know how to interact together. Mm-hmm. It's true. It, there's a certain like social lubrication that happens, like when you mm-hmm. greet someone. You know, the two the two kiss cheek kiss thing um Mm -hmm. or three depending on where you are um i don't know do you think you'll still do that um probably not for a minute i saw people (laughs) doing it at the train station with their masks on Uh (laughs) which was adorable but also laughable yeah i kind of love how people think that like a thin layer of cotton is going to it's just this like force field around them suddenly i was like oh i think we missed the point but whatever (laughs) Uh, so let's talk about travel that was another thing on our unknown list uh when where how how, what are we thinking about travel so i actually can we this is my only my own idea i didn't really talk to you about this can we talk about from the perspective of enjoyment travel instead of going home travel because yes. I think that going to America travel is like a whole nother that oh, could yeah, be a different a, podcast that's a totally different <laughs> thing yeah um but travel to America or... just kidding <laughs> <laughs> um so travel for pleasure let's talk about what we're thinking in that department yes um I I'm gonna say I have I have thought about this long and hard. I love traveling. 
Yeah. Anyone who has spent three seconds with me is like, oh, the girl likes to get on a plane train or in an automobile. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm willing to pay more for plane tickets and to go on fewer trips if that means more sustainability in the travel industry. Mm-hmm. And I think that this could be a situation that leads to that. Mm-hmm. I think I like trains. Yes. Um, no, airports sound like a nightmare, like right now. Even just, okay, so from what I know, middle seats are not a thing. Everybody mm-hmm. has to be two meters apart on the airplane, so they're like 80% empty. Um, good side is that there's like all sorts of like EV bots and sanitizing <laughs> things that are happening. Um, in like hotels and airplanes, uh, these days. So that's good. Um, mm-hmm. but the airports, like there's talk of, um, oh, well, there's actually in place, isn't it, uh, Dubai, like, uh, yeah, one of those crazy modern airports. Yeah. Where they have the rapid blood test. Yes. So you can have results in 10 minutes. Which tells you nothing that is ridiculous on so many levels but anyways because it I mean like what are you going to do if you test positive for antibodies I I don't know you know like that (laughs) go home I guess but Mm -hmm. that could be a good thing right yeah you don't know (laughs) so I'm not I mean like it's reasonable to think that within the next six months to a year there will be a fairly fast test that will tell you if you're positive for the virus or negative for the virus. So, you know, the steps that they're implementing now are just kind of harbingers, in Mm. my opinion, of what's to come, right? Mm. Um, So hand-washing stations before and after TSA Uh um, or whatever country you're flying in, their uh, Mm. security team. and yeah, like, I mean, people have been getting really sick from air travel for a really long time. So the fact that it took this to get people to, like, sanitize they the airplanes. They're going to clean the trays. And I was like, yeah, wow, okay, so that wasn't happening. <laughs> no, no. And I knew it wasn't happening. And... No, I knew it as well. But still, like, for them to yeah. be able to come out and say I know. Oh, boy, you've seen the trays in front of you. Mm, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, just the fact that like they're sanitizing planes. I don't know. It kind of makes me of two minds. Like when this goes away, like money saving measures, like will when the virus is sort of like in a more contained state. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I can see being required. Like if there is a vaccine that's developed, I can see us having to carry vaccination records from now on. Right. Which um, I'm kind of surprised. You and I have talked about this a little bit, that that isn't a thing already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and I traveled to Asia and Africa and South America as yeah. young adults. Um, and you did have to have not an immunization passport, but you had to have a booklet mm-hmm. um, to prove. And I like based Based on our vaccine vaccination episode, no one will be surprised. I I would be fine with that. Like, prove that you're vaccinated. 
and not just against Corona, but all the things. If you're getting all on a plane, things. you want to know all the things you've been yeah. vaccinated against. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm totally fine with that, but checking those things costs time, which costs money. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, it's just, it's more yeah, expensive to be, to be passed airport, along like six to the hours early. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. You have to, like, sacrifice a newborn baby to... <laughs> Yeah, I read that the flight, like one of the predictions that flights between London and Paris, I think they said could be around a thousand euros. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Which Especially right when there's now, a tunnel. It... <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully that would just move to train travel, which would be better for the environment anyways. Yeah. But, um, I, but that's kind of what I'm saying. Like the fact that we've been traveling for 20 euros to these different right. countries, which I've bought those plane tickets. This is uh-huh. not a judgment on humanity. This is just an observation. Yeah. I've bought those tickets. But maybe it's time that we pay more for something that actually costs a lot of time and a lot of environmental damage, yeah. which is what I'm saying. I'd rather pay more money for one trip than to continue in the way the cities have been going um, because again, not for this podcast necessarily, but like, if you look at the major cities in Europe right now, they're being overrun by tourism to a point that it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not about that. I want them to lose money. Of course, I want their, that those industries to transition into something yes. viable, but mm-hmm. you, you cannot just take a city of 2 million like Barcelona and in 20 years, like the number of tourists have gone up by what was it 20 30% like yeah. you know it's 2 million people and there are 30 million people visiting every year that's not sustainable yeah and places like the cinque terre which are like you know suffering a right, lot right um because of over tourism venice dear god venice gosh um i i got to say i did not enjoy venice when i went because I mean, I enjoyed certain aspects of it, of course, because it's Venice, but, um, it was insane during the daytime, mm-hmm. like before the oh, and the cruise ships. Can we let oh. the cruise ships die? They are yes. the biggest polluters in the world. Like if you take all the countries yeah, and you made cruise ships a country, they're yeah. the biggest polluters. They just dump everything into the ocean. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm anti-cruise. I gotta be honest. Um, I know that that will, you know, is a divisive we'll divide opinion. Our listeners. <laughs> sorry, sorry, listeners. I guess like when you visited places that like you've seen kind of the fallout of yeah. what cruise travel costs. I mean, maybe there are responsible companies. I don't know, but from what I've seen, like just giant food dumps and plastic oh my god the plastic like it's Mm -hmm. um and you're dumping thousands of people into such a small space Dubrovnik is the same yes Dubrovnik is a teeny tiny town like it was a town like it has walls (laughs) right and then you have cruise ships that rock up with as many people on the cruise as there are in the town yep and you can't you can't walk you can't no you can't eat yeah, I've kind of been wondering when this travel that has been fueled by cheap tickets 
Instagram or just social media mm-hmm. in general. Um, when this whole, you know, I'm specifically going to a place like Iceland, for instance, uh, where there's, there's like four people that live on that island. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like all of a sudden, like thousands of people are thousands. are kind of coming and driving everywhere and to take a photo they don't even have like enough people to police the streets so there are like speeding cameras everywhere you know imagine so i'm I'm hoping and one of my predictions into the unknown is that some of that unsustainable travel will die away and i sincerely hope that in its place will be sustainable um travel that will still uh pay people's wages Mm -hmm. i am curious to see i know we need to move on to the next topic and stuff because we could talk about travel forever oh my gosh forever but yeah and i have one more thing after you finish yeah but i am curious to see what happens with in with uh companies like airbnb vrbo um these kind of companies and like the conflicts that they've been having with cities for the last five years um i i am interested to see how this i know uh, know. because i remember seeing like i think somebody posted it on like one of the facebook groups that i've been following since covid hit the scene um that there was a giant house in Malastrana, which is like just below the castle for people who don't live here in Prague. In Malastrana, there's this house that is ginormous, ginormous mansion. Mm-hmm. And they were asking 9,000 crowns a month um, to live in this house. But the caveat was you had to get out. They put this in the ad. 10 minutes after the restriction on Airbnb <laughs> was lifted. Oh my god. Yeah. So 9,000 crowns is like what, Tass? I can't... Oh, 300 euros yeah, maybe? Yeah, like super, super cheap. Yeah. Um, so maybe if you needed a place... Less. Yeah, if you needed a place to weather the storm, you could go live in a mansion <laughs> Melistrana for <laughs> a few hundred bucks. <laughs> But you just got to be ready to get your ass out of there as soon as they lift the restriction on hotels and Airbnbs. Which I would not put it past this government to lift the restriction on hotels, but not Airbnbs. Because there's just not enough uh, quality control. Right, um, right. Yeah. Those kind of situations. Airbnb has some major problems. Hurdles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's probably another podcast as well. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah my th- husband won't let us use Airbnb anymore because um, when our bed collapsed, not our bed, but when our the bed collapsed in Paris and we had to like, uh, well, thank God for hotels tonight. This is like a, <laughs> a plug for them um, because we had to move with our with his parents who were there and our daughter we had to like get out of that airbnb and go to like a legit hotel Mm -hmm. um (laughs) within like no compensation no help yeah yeah within like 45 minutes we had to get somewhere because we had tickets to get to to go on up the eiffel tower so like we had Mm -hmm. to quickly (laughs) make that decision and 
yeah airbnb was no help and yeah that was the that was the end of that i think andy was just so angry that he was mm-hmm. like i'm done i'm done with this um so hopefully some sustainability and accountability will come well the hopefully. last thing i wanted to say about um yeah. <laughs> travel was just something funny uh in the bbc article that will link to this podcast about the future of travel um i thought the funniest thing was the cubicles on the beach oh my um, gosh yes the plexiglass <laughs> So you could go to Spain, possibly, and one of the ideas they're floating is that they would build these plexiglass cubicles oh where you could lay so that you don't breathe on the people next to you. <laughs> I laughed out loud on the train today when I read that. <laughs> That's so, insane. Well, I'll just leave that out there and we'll see if it comes to pass. We'll check in in a couple months. <laughs> And you can let us know. Well, like you know, over the summer, if we're seeing plexiglass <laughs> erected on the beaches. Well, if you've never been to a European beach before, like it, it's even funnier. Like, because yes. American beaches, like you know, Myrtle Beach can be super busy or places like that. But a lot of people go to like sparser, po- sparse, more sparsely populated beaches. Mm-hmm. You know, in North Carolina, South Carolina. Um, or islands for their vacations on the east coast and then on the west coast it's a whole different thing but um yeah it's like if you took la beaches and or myrtle beach and you just like quadrupled the amount of people it's because they're coves and it's the the uh, mediterranean sea so it it's not like a big broad swath of walking sand Yeah. yeah yeah So, like, everybody's in these, like, really close quarters. So, to imagine them putting up uh, plexiglass is is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. So, I'm just going to throw it out there. We'll see how it goes. So, Mm -hmm. all of this, let's go from travel to the broader economic impact. Yes. Um, So, this is something that um, is basically the second thing that comes up in my conversations after we talk about coronavirus. Cause mm-hmm. if you meet anyone or their brother, you talk about yep. coronavirus, but the second topic is instantly economic impact. And for me, um, this has real pertinent, I mean, for all of us, but for me, a real pertinence because my livelihood is linked to companies and individuals feeling like they have enough expendable income that mm-hmm. they can have the luxury of English lessons. Yeah. I am not an essential worker. No. <laughs> um, I am not essential to many people's lives. Um, <laughs> besides, I hope I bring them joy. Uh, but um, so if there is an economic downturn or recession, then um, I know from weathering the 2008 recession that mm-hmm. um, English lessons are one of the first things to go. Yeah. So, um, Again, this is a very wide open. Every article you read will have different ideas, different opinions. But economic impact, Jan, where do you see us in a month and in six months and a year? You know, this is interesting because I think a lot is happening right now. I think a lot of people are focused on elections that are happening this year and, you know, like what those people will um, will do about the situation that we're in. But honestly, I think the story will be like the tracks will be laid by that point. Um, 
right now is when trillions of dollars all around the world are being distributed. Um, we're deciding whether and who to bail out. Um, we're deciding the future of the workplace. We're deciding the future of education. All those things are happening right now. And whoever takes over in 2021 is going to inherit a moving train, essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be very difficult to divert that train, um, in my opinion. Um, So I think that question is a really good question. (laughs) But I think it depends on what happens. I mean, like, political climates all over the world are in this really interesting place of anti-globalization you know i mean trump ran on like an america first kind of vibe mm-hmm. <laughs> well i mean it was it was it was explicitly Very much. Very but much like vibe. <laughs> yeah a big vibe like, <laughs> big one. but you know i was listening to um philosopher historian yuval Har- harari who wrote uh sapiens um homo deus and 21st 21 problems for the 21st century i was listening to some things that he was talking about and he was discussing and you know normally this these like heightened periods of nationalism are Mm -hmm. follow some sort of like conflict between countries you know like world war one um, you could see a rise of nationalism because of conflict, right? Right. Um, but right now, one of the things that he pointed out was that, like, I mean, I think this is true in in the U.S., and that's, like, what I'm most kind of tuned into, but I also see it here in the Czech Republic. People are more anti-each other in their own countries, than they are yeah. like foreigners you know i mean like mm-hmm. people are not there's not like the boogeyman like there was for us in the 1980s with the russians you know um mm-hmm. i mean there's kind of that sense with the chinese but like really we have to rely on them for so much of our supply chain as as is mm-hmm. becoming really <laughs> apparent really right apparent. now uh that you know we can't really afford a conflict with them at the mm-hmm. moment, like we're not self-sufficient, and if anything, I think this uh, virus is pointing out the holes in the supply chains. Um, so I think those holes can't wait a year to be filled or to figure out a solution or workaround. So we have what we have. We have the leaders that we have, and there's a lot of decisions that are going to be made in the next two, three months that are going to affect us for the next 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. That's what I have to say about that, which is a complete <laughs> non-answer. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah. I, it's one of those things where, well, it could be this way or it could be 180 degrees this yeah, way. It could um, be anything. Having, yeah. Having weathered the 2008 recession, uh, it was really bad for a year, year and a half. But again, speaking from the Czech experience, I know that the U.S. it was a bit different, and different countries yeah. had different experiences. But um, the the Czech Republic had already gone through the 1990s, where it was the wild, wild east, and yeah. money had 
than being thrown around. My God. Um, When I imagine the chaos, like it's just overwhelming. Yeah. So they had already built into the law a lot of um, safeguards for that sort of crisis. Yeah. Um, So, so it, within like I remember there were like four new shopping malls that opened in 2009 2010 and people were like yeah there's an economic crisis that's why we're opening shopping malls <laughs> um so the Czech market of course it was influenced internationally but a lot of Czech companies weathered it um and I I did you know lose clients and it took me a minute to get back on my feet um mm-hmm. but it it we weathered it. It was, it was okay. So it could be that, that like, yeah, we still need food. We still need businesses. You know, I've read that they think that 30% of Czech cafes and restaurants will go bankrupt, but also people will still eat. So someone yeah. else is going to open up a cafe or a restaurant because the demand didn't go away. It's just that, the, the situation change yeah so i think this one or, is a little bit more unique though um because or not a little bit more unique that's that's a weird sentence um i think the situation is a little different than the 2008 financial crisis though well, absolutely. um i'm like because definitely. yeah because one one of the crucial differences is um like 2008 we could respond with austerity right we mm-hmm. could tighten the belt we could you know cut spending we could figure that out mm-hmm. um this is a different animal because right, right. and I'm, I'm just comparing i mean i'm just comparing yeah. as far as like when people are talking about bounce back you know yes like, well that's yes. what i think makes it hard this what makes this situation difficult is that we don't know enough about the virus itself I mean, we've known about it, like, we've had people looking at the details of this virus for what, like, I mean, months, right? right? Like, not right. years. Um, so we don't know enough about this virus. We don't know enough about how it's going to affect long-term health, public right. health. Um, we don't know, given, I think, a thought that I didn't finish with the nationalism, I think we don't know how people are going to respond to the fact that there's a vacuum in global leadership and globalization is kind of under attack. Mm-hmm. Um, when the solution to this problem very much lies in our ability to cooperate right. with each other. Right, globally. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I said, why there could be a 180 on the other hand. So that's like the optimist. Yeah. Uh, optimist? Right. No the optimistic side um the 180 side is what you were just saying Mm -hmm. is that it could all go to shit and we'll Well, be in trouble i don't know Um, that necessarily means it'll go to shit i think that it could mean drastic shifts in the way we do things whereas i think 2008 didn't necessitate like a massive shift in methodology mm mm-hmm you know, like it, it was, we could handle that with austerity. And in this case, I think austerity is all fine and good, but we are going to need to change some methodology in order to get people back mm-hmm. in the workplace or in order to get like our countries to function again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that, that I think is a, is a really big if right now. 
if we're talking mm-hmm. about what ifs like can we cooperate right. like there's no global leader there's nobody coming out and saying like hey guys we're going to be an example for the rest of the world mm. on how to handle this it's a giant what if we it will is. <laughs> i know i know oh. I'm going to I'm going to throw my hat in the optimistic side, though. I think that uh, in general, economically, I'm going to go with there could be a recession, but yeah. all that goes up must come down. Yeah. Um, well, I think, think there's definitely going to be a recession. I mean, like that. That's, right. Yeah. Like but there's no getting around that. <laughs> um, at least in the Czech Republic, that's been predicted for about the last two and two and a half years. They've been saying it needs to come or not needs to i shouldn't say that so rub your hands together all those who are looking to snap up apartments because you're about to get your chance (laughs) but it will probably come because of all that goes up must come down and the economy here in central europe has been really strong and the prices for property have been skyrocketing crazy Um, although actually the prediction for prices of property here it's not predicted to go down stabilize yes but they do not predict it will go down yeah i have a feeling it will never go down just because i mean (laughs) barring any sort of like major uh you know plague black death kind of situation i don't think that's neighbors yeah so so moving on from economy last thing yes last Uh, thing um big brother is watching you big brother Um, yeah no something that i find incredibly fascinating and i understand less than zero percent of (laughs) is is the monitoring of who has coronavirus and where they are and what they're doing Mm -hmm. and this could be the way that we get our lives back and get our lives back forever if there's another pandemic um, in Czech Republic, it's being touted as smart quarantining, which yeah. kind of freaks people out. But every name freaks people out. What was the one that you told me from? Surveillance. Um, yeah. <laughs> Where was that? In Israel, they're calling mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, that's a good way. And to... it's it's being monitored by the secret police. Oh, lovely. I so, know. <laughs> so basically what it means is, is that um, you keep track of the people that are sick you find out who they've had contact with. You tell those people you could possibly be sick. You make sure that you know where the disease is and what it's doing. Actually, this is one of the things that New Zealand used to get their cases to almost zero. It's something that South Korea has done for years. Also, um, in the case of South Korea, we got to like, just with the caveat that there are some ethical questions. Yes, yes. But this is the problem. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not advocating for this, just trying to define it. Um, but the problem is, as I introduced it, it's Big Brother. Um, yes. Yeah. So, Jan, yeah, talk about some of those ethical questions. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm of two minds about this. I really am. Um, one of the things, like I've already mentioned, Yaval, uh and his his book 21 problems 20 yeah 21 problems of the 21st century one of the problems is ai right mm-hmm. um and intelligence. yes and what we're talking about is not just movement surveillance like we're also talking about um surveillance that goes under the skin so 
in checking for diseases, AI can also monitor your emotional state, your blood pressure, um, just from a scan. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the, the like features that he posits, it's a valid concern. Mm-hmm. It's a viable thing that could happen. It's no longer science fiction. Um, he describes a scenario where all North Koreans are made to wear this bracelet that monitors your blood pressure and thus can understand your emotions. Um, and you are did it first. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And the Apple watch is like monitoring our hearts and stuff, you know? Um, so they're made to watch a speech by the great leader. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you can clap. You can look happy. This is, this was a scenario he described on uh, the James Corden right. show. Um, mm-hmm. But your little <laughs> indicator can let the government know that you're angry, that you mm-hmm. disagree. Um, it's 1984, all over again. <laughs> yeah, it's all good without our copies. I know. <laughs> and of course, that's not going to happen in the next six months. You know, and. But, like, what we have to think about is, like, you know, like I talked about earlier, like, a a moving train. Like, once that train is on that track, Mm -hmm. like, it's difficult to pull it back, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, So, like, I I feel a little bit like we're living on, like, the first scene of a dystopian novel. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like that for several years now. (laughs) I feel like I'm a couple chapters deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, you know, any second now, like, uh, the United States is going to break up into quadrants, 12 quadrants, and we're going to have, like, the great capital, and everybody's going to start, like, tattooing cats on their faces and stuff. Just kidding, guys. We don't actually think this. This is our humor. <laughs> I don't know. I might think it. Are you guys okay? (laughs) The Hunger Games just started to feel a little bit more real. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's part of, it's also part of the problem with defining. Each country defines this kind of, I'm going to say smart quarantining because that's what we've been doing here. Um, A bit differently. And I've, I've heard, I've heard several people or I've spoken with several people that have um, voice concerns exactly what you're saying about yeah. like monitoring but then it depends how you define it because I was reading more about smart quarantining in the Czech Republic and it's not necessarily digital like some of it is uh, like the actual legwork of doctors saying well you're sick and I need to know who you've had contact with and blah blah, blah. so yeah. actually I think that it does de- depend how each country would do it um mm-hmm. and you're but right that it's this possibility it, that they're going to be monitoring our bank accounts well yeah because i think we even talked about it on this podcast because um at the beginning of this whole explosion of coronavirus in the czech republic um it came about because a lot of people came back from italy from their yes. ski holidays uh-huh. and they were told to stay home right. they were told that they were to be quarantined in the actual sense of the meaning of like, you need to be at home for 14 days. Don't leave your house. And um, the banks did not share names with the government. Let's make that clear. But the banks did share statistics with all of us 
that 50% of those people that had shopped in Italy also shopped in the Czech Republic, which means not Mm -hmm. online, but in brick and mortar stores, which Mm -hmm. means that those people that came back from Italy, half of them broke their quarantine. Yeah. That's fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not infuriating at all. (laughs) So, so when you say like that the information will be shared, it's really hard to like, cause I don't want my information to be shared, but statistics, we do that all the time. Like that's uh-huh, what yeah. Google yeah. does. That's what Facebook yeah. does. We're willingly giving that information. Oh, um, I know. I mean, we, we have been willingly offering up our data. I mean, like just look at dating sites. Like these are data collection machines. <laughs> We have been offering up our data for a very long time now. This is not mm-hmm. a new, but this might be a watershed in. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I, I I don't know. Like, again, it's one of those like 180 situations. Like on one side, like this could be a way that gives us our freedom again. We don't have to all be locked in our house because we know who's sick. Um, mm-hmm. and not just about coronavirus, but pandemics are probably going to be with us for a hot wow. minute. Listen to Dan's podcast, um, <laughs> <laughs> a podcast about that. But, uh, on the other hand, it could be very dangerous and, um, we don't want private companies or governments. I'm almost, I'm almost more hesitant for yes. private companies yes. to have my information than a government mm-hmm. for various reasons that I won't go into here. Call me if you want to know. Um, well, I mean, private companies, like, if you're from a country like the U.S., I'm sorry if you're from the U.S. and you disagree with this, but um, private companies kind of are the government. I mean, like, when you think about lobbyists and organizations and corporations and their interest and their investments in our Congress. Yeah. Corporations kind of are the government in situations like that, or you know, like in, in the instance of Amazon, like they don't even pay taxes. Like, yep. they're bigger yep. than the government. <laughs> yep, so fun, so fun. Like if Amazon went to war with the U.S., Amazon would win. <laughs> they would win. <laughs> They'd just be like, guys, we're not giving you any more guns, and. <laughs> Plus, we have all the money. So, yes. So and we yeah. have all of it and your information. So, <laughs> and our robots live in your house and listen to everything you say. <laughs> oh, we're back to that dystopian. Dystopian, yeah. <laughs> I, I might be a little bit tired. Um, <laughs> no, I feel. We are back to a dystopian novel. Yes, I feel hesitantly optimistic. That's that's yeah, my final yeah. final temperature on this. Like, I'm hesitantly optimistic, but I don't know that our kids will know a world where they have any privacy at all. Yeah. So, you know. And I think that's a good way to sum up this podcast in yes. general. Like there are so many what ifs. Um, but I think you and I through all the discussions we've had over the last 2 months and 20 years, um <laughs> are cautiously optimistic more than um hesitantly 
pessimistic. I yeah, think that- I mean, I think extraordinary claims re- require extraordinary evidence, right? So, like, right. So, in so- conclusion, <laughs> we are optimistic. We are uh, hesitantly optimistic. Hesitantly, no, cautiously. Cautious. We are cautiously optimistic about the future of our world. I agree. Um, do you have a moment of calm? I think we both have a moment of calm today. I do. Why don't you read yours first? Okay. My moment of calm is from Adlai E. Stevenson. On this shrunken globe, men can no longer live as strangers. And a quote that we did not get to, but that I really liked and that inspired me finding this quote was um, from one of the articles that we read that um, also had an optimistic uh, mm-hmm. lean to it. And um, the person that was interviewed by the journalist says, you can't unknow people. And usually that's a good thing. City residents are becoming aware of desires they didn't realize they had before, which is for more human contact, for links to people who are unlike mm-hmm. themselves. So I hope that now that we see how small our globe are, people will realize that we're not strangers. Yeah. My moment of calm <laughs> is a quote by a person whose name I cannot pronounce. Uh, Horace Trabel, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um if the world is cold, make it your business to build fires. Isn't that so good? Yay. Yes. Yes. Anyway, Miss Tacita, thank you for talking to me so, tonight. Thank you for talking to me. And until next week, yeah? Yeah, we'll be here. All right. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of From Quarantine. We are live on all platforms, so you can find us on everything from the big guys like Apple Podcasts and Spotify to your favorite podcast apps. You can get updates on our episodes on Instagram. Just search for From Quarantine, and you can find our full show notes on our website, quarantine.cz. We would love it if you would like and share our episodes with your friends. But if you could also take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, that would help us out tremendously. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. This podcast is brought to you by the coronavirus outbreak. Live together. Dialogue.
So I'm at the post office about a week ago and I'm waiting in line to get my package. My post office is super tiny. So only like two people are allowed inside at the same time. So there's lines like around the block almost all the time. So I snuck in there in the morning after I walked Gus and I'm standing waiting in line and I hear the woman in front of me and she's speaking Czech and to the person who's working at the post office mm-hmm. and they're having a long discussion and I'm picking up on like little words or like changes in mood. Things seem to be escalating when mm-hmm. the woman tells her for like the 50th time, the postal worker tells her for like the 50th time that she cannot help her, that she doesn't have the right paperwork. The other woman whose window is closed. There's only one window open stands up walks over to the window where the woman is and just starts yelling at her like just straight Mm -hmm. up yelling um in english you cannot do that here go and so the woman answers her in english i spoke to this person and they told me to do it this way and then the woman responds back in English, you must speak Czech. <laughs> you are in Czech. And the woman gets so frustrated because she's, <laughs> the woman clearly understands English. She's speaking English. Um, that she just like turns around, stomps her foot and says, I hope you both burn like witches. God. In the middle of the post office, it was so insane. But I was talking to my friend Angela after that happened, and she was like, that was really a gift that you got to be there to witness that. (laughs) Because it's just like one of those moments where you're just like, I have so felt that before. (laughs) Like (laughs) to watch a grown adult have like a temper tantrum in the middle of a post office is pretty fun. just a moment that you have to sit back and be like i'm so glad that wasn't me (laughs) yeah 